Good morning, comrades. You are listening to Good Morning Comrade, WHIVLP New Orleans. It's Saturday morning. Here we are. Uh, Jeff and Robert, uh, we're in a little bit different of a setup than usual. We're in the pre-record studio in the station. Uh, this is like giving me uh, like flashbacks to the old days, you know, like the old little tiny room where we would used to uh, where we used to record back in the beginning days. With uh, remember when Andy and and uh, Michelle were on the show too? Oh man, that was cool. Anyway, we have a, a very special guest today. Um, we have Mandy Landry. Joining us, Mandy is a setting uh, representative in the Louisiana legislature, and she's currently uh, running for the uh, the uh, Louisiana Senate. Uh, Mandy, Mandy, how you doing? Good morning, everyone. Happy to be here on WHIV, as always. Yeah, so uh, first off, I mean, it's uh, as of recording, it's four days until, uh, until Election Day. Just check in. How you feeling? I am. Um, for anyone who's run for office, you know, those last few days and even those last few weeks, time is is a mystery. Um, you know, what day are we on? What are we doing? The the fires that come up every day. But I we ran a really stellar campaign. I mean, I have a group of students and friends and we have done everything we could. And I'm, I'm like at a piece right now. Mm-hmm. I know I know what we did. And now it's just bringing it home and. Um, it's, it's sort of like, it feels right before like a hurricane's gonna hit, kind of. You got yeah. your prep work done, and then nothing you can like, do about it I'm now. Like, I guess I'll open a bottle of wine or something. They <laughs> have a hurricane party, but for the election. Yeah, I have, I have all my stuff. I got my treats and my batteries and everything. There you go. There you go. Well, um, yeah, and, and just so that, uh, the, the other person in this race, Lori Suplessis, if you are listening, uh, please contact the station if you want to get on there as well, uh, just to kind of hear all sides of this. Uh, anyway, um, so just to kind of, um, this is the first time we've really kind of had a, like, a, like a longer conversation, and I guess the first question I want to have is, what is your campaign about? Why are you running for uh, Senate in the uh, Louisiana right, uh, to replace Karen, who uh, sat, sat, served in its spot for so long? Right. I mean, there's a short answer and a long answer. And, and the short answer is uh, women's health issues and, and civil rights issues that have just blossomed and exploded this year. Um, I've been a longtime advocate for reproductive rights. I'm a lawyer. I've represented a clinic and, and minors you know, seeking judicial bypass. So when I ran the first time, it was on um, largely on a lot of women's health issues. Mm-hmm. And then this, the row happening this year and Karen resigning and we have five female senators who are all like pretty violently anti-choice. I mean, it was no brainer. Like I had to jump in and do this. But overall, I ran the first time and I'm running now because I am a regular person. You and I know each other (laughs) from, you know, sort of around around and union circles. And Mm -hmm. I think more regular people need to run. And, And the reason we see such stagnation and nothing ever getting better is it's just kind of the same recycled format. And I want, we were talking about our friend earlier, like, I'm so proud of her. I want more people to try to do this. Mm -hmm. And we need more examples of that. Yeah. And it is really kind of, um, it really kind of is kind of interesting to, too, because when you talk to somebody who's like, you know, you know, you know, like when they're not like a regular person, when they're a politician, they speak in a very specific kind of like political way. And like, I guess I imagine, you know, when you're in Baton Rouge or whatever in the legislature, you get a lot of that and, and sort of navigating that is not particularly like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I imagine it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, there's certainly a lot of polished politicians, <laughs> for sure, um, in good and bad ways. And 
when we play in a legislature mostly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'm and I've talked I've talked about this before. I'm really fortunate that I represent a district in a city where I can I can talk about my views freely. Yeah. And most people, you know, nod their head or agree with it. Mm-hmm. And but there's a lot of parts of the state um, that there are people who are elected who maybe don't agree with the extremes who elected them. Mm-hmm. And so I can understand them being a little more conscious of their mm-hmm. words because, like, do we really want... I know some of them are like, you don't understand. I vote for this, and Facebook won't leave me alone. And they call, and they call. Oh, they call their office, and they call their wife, and all this. So I get sometimes the cautious mm-hmm. thoughts, but you're right. It, it leaves people with this kind of bad taste of who am I actually talking to mm-hmm. here? Yeah, and and just to kind of be a little bit clear on the district. So mm-hmm. we're 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 currently in a district that is. Um, can, you, can you describe it, I guess? Because it's going to be changing as well. So what a is it now bit. and what is it going to be? Right. It, it's changing a little. Um, certain people have been acting like it's changing a lot. It's not changing a ton. Mm-hmm. So the district right now, it uh, roughly is Canal Street all mm-hmm. the way uptown with some exceptions. It has mm-hmm. um, a sort of uh, little finger through a little bit of Treme in the 7th Ward. And mm-hmm. then Audubon is not in the district. Um, it's 46% white, 44% black, 10% other, and 55% female, I think. Um, how it will change, it will become exactly 50% African-American mm-hmm. voters from 44. And um, it very interestingly will pick up part of Marrero. Mm-hmm. So for those of you who might not know, um, Marrero is a part of Jefferson it's Parish JP. on the West Bank, uh-huh. right? It is nowhere close uptown, but on a map, it's right across the river mm-hmm. from uptown. And um, I happen to be from there. Yeah. And my joke is the only thing really, or one of the few things uptown Marrero have in common is me, basically. <laughs> They're just not geographically close to each other. There's mm-hmm. no continuity. Not a bridge um, around there. Well, it's not like Algiers. Yeah. It's on the, you know, on the west bank of the river, but it is right mm-hmm. across the bridge. Um, so it does change, interestingly, like that. And the racial demographics change a little. It will mm-hmm. still be majority female. So it um, there's a little bit of change coming mm-hmm. to all of our districts, frankly, mm-hmm. after redistricting. But this one will stay largely what it is now. Yeah. So um, I guess when... Um, when well, some very significant things have happened in the past five months, even. Um, specifically... Um, I mean, last time I saw you, I think, was at the uh, protests on the day that the Dobbs decision was yeah. was um, was was put forward, and um, Roe was essentially overturned mm-hmm. uh, federally, and it was essentially kicked down to states. Um, what's sort of been the and and you mentioned, by the way, that that they have five senators in the uh, five female senators in Louisiana now, uh, not including Karen, who stepped down. Um, who are all anti-abortion. Mm-hmm. So, like, what is the sort of... I, I imagine it's not particularly friendly to the positions of, uh, of you know, pro-choice, you know, mm-hmm. pro-abortion for all people and, and, you know, bodily health, basic health um, right. type stuff. Um, but, but I guess what is sort of the... What, what are you looking at when you, go, when, it, when you step up into that? Um, so, I mean, this is sort of anecdotal to me, but mm-hmm. I, I hear from a lot of different sources, constituents, mm-hmm. colleagues advocates i'm in touch with people similar to my position around the country and we've seen here like we have seen other places a pushback people realizing like oh no like this actually happened wait a minute we Mm -hmm. didn't think this was going to happen because you know a lot of our really awful draconian laws here were Mm -hmm. written 
um, with Roe as a backstop, and people voted mm-hmm. for them knowing that. What I have seen the big focus on has been on, in particular, um, pregnancy complications. And doctors are freaked out, yeah. and they should be. I imagine um, that they, yeah, they are. Freaked out. Gynos and emergency room doctors in particular, because they're the ones who see someone who comes in who's pregnant with, um, you know, complications that can go from minor to deadly, you know, yeah. very quickly. And they, they don't want to be arrested. They don't want to lose their patient. They don't want to be sued. They're, they're in this mm-hmm. conundrum of like, what do I do if I only have minutes? Mm-hmm. And part of the reason is that is because this bill was not written by doctors or good lawyers. Like, no. it's a poorly written bill. It has no medical insight whatsoever. It has terms in it that are not medical terms. Mm-hmm. And so the result is, you know, leaving aside the women who might be six or 10 weeks pregnant who want to abort, it's people who are pregnant who need to end the pregnancy and they're unable to. And right. that is it's got nothing to do with dangerous. like the, even a, a person's like, whether they want to be pregnant or not, this is like literally on the question of like direct cataclysmic health complications that would come from a pregnancy. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, it, that's why it's so complicated because people try to say elective or non-elective. I'm like, you're, if you're about to bleed out and, mm-hmm. and the doctor asks what you want to do, that's electing to, yeah. to save your life. And, and that gets into the larger conversation of judging someone's mm-hmm. decision um, to terminate. Because I don't know if this person, what if someone's eight weeks pregnant, comes mm-hmm. in for an abortion and she might have almost died on the table last time. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just so much we don't know, which is why we shouldn't mm-hmm. intrude as government officials into this decision. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, that <laughs> seems like it... I don't, I don't know. Like, that's one of those Seems things, easy, but somehow... It's one of those things where, like, again, the same kind of people that are like, Oh, I'm being canceled. Oh, free speech. Oh, you know, my right to privacy or my decisions or whatever. But like when it comes to these particular mm-hmm. issues, they're just like, how do I meddle in this as much as possible from a from a uh, official policy, you know, either federal or state government standpoint? <laughs> yeah, well, because it's not coming from a place of principle. Right. To me, they're coming from a place it's, of oh, control. So, so yeah, rarely yeah, yeah. things <laughs> are coming from places of principle. To I be know. Clear. I try to be. Um, it's coming from a place of control, and that to me. I mean, that's you know what the far right is and mm-hmm. then the, the left as it is is mm-hmm. more of a um freedom uh make your own decisions kind of live your life don't hurt don't hurt other people um make your own decisions mm-hmm. especially on something as complicated and hard to predict as pregnancy right it's it's again it's a very serious medical condition and and again people mm-hmm. it's stated a lot in like mainstream media i suppose but the u.s has like higher more Infant mortality rates in so many other countries. It's shameful. <laughs> it's shocking and shameful. Um, yeah. The country has a much higher, you know, maternal mortality and infant mortality and all those numbers, uh, but our state has a much higher maternal mortality rate. And then among Black and Brown women, it's like four times yeah. as high. Um, and and that's what people aren't understanding when they don't accept that this is healthcare. I'm like, but if people are facing life threatening Mm -hmm. situations or they know they might be, they need to have that choice Mm -hmm. and we're going to lose more of them and we're going to lose more black and brown women and more poor women. And cause it's already happening. Yeah. And I hate to like put it in these kinds of terms, but like more, more lives are actually saved from, from good 
health policy on these kinds of things and the quote-unquote pro-life we were mentioning this Man. earlier before the sort of like command that that a lot of the sort of conservative uh folks have the ability to dictate narratives and and dynamics essentially uh <laughs> they're essentially you know framed as though they're pro-life or mm-hmm. they frame themselves as though they're pro-life when you get you know these these horrible you know death rates of <laughs> bad rates and uh-huh. and you know what what a lot of people don't see also is over half of um abortions um are are decided upon by uh someone who already has children mm-hmm. and and so are you going to make this person go through with a potentially fatal pregnancy and then those children mm-hmm. are orphaned and placed into poverty and so yes it's a life issue but it's also a, what about the other kids and the other family members mm-hmm. and and uh, what that woman has to give to mm-hmm. to the world with her own children already, but you're making this decision um, arbitrarily. Mm-hmm. And um, it's 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 to kind of kind of push it forward as well. Abortion is also a workers' issue as well. It's a labor issue. I mean, people have to. I mean, we have nine weeks unpaid um, maternity leave. Essentially, is the the baseline for this country, which is absolutely absurd. Even if it, all things do go to plan. So, um, I know that you're. Um, somebody who's been aligned with labor unions and, and, and workers for for quite some time. I actually, funny story, one of the first times I ever saw you was at a Step Up event, and you're walking in there with, like, Andy and all these guys from the building trades, which is just, just like, that's kind of <laughs> awesome, you know? Like, like, this is somebody that I, um, that I think is getting get it, uh, you know getting involved with the um with the with the unions which is mm-hmm. something that a lot of t- politicians run from a lot of a lot of elected officials run from in this this place which which, uh, which I don't really understand but um anyway can you talk a little bit about how abortion specifically is um a, a workers issue and a labor issue um abor- abortion and, and healthcare and parenthood mm-hmm. all of those things com- yeah i mean too. they're all combined <laughs> i mean I guess I'm trying to to put it more specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, paid medical leave and or childcare mm-hmm. to me would be the most transforming, mm-hmm. and they're this kind of similar oh, um, yeah. transformative labor issues yeah. and gender issues. And I don't understand why business doesn't want to provide childcare because, from a purely financial standpoint, mm-hmm. your workers can work more. Mm-hmm. And granted, you and I want it from a a, um, a view of the child can be mm-hmm. safe and in mm-hmm. a healthy place and mom doesn't you know live in poverty mm-hmm. but from a from a business perspective of course you want your workers to come in well they can't come in if no one can watch the baby they can't mm-hmm. come in if if the baby's sick or if they're sick and i mean abortion is related to that in the sense that we talked about you know if they have a, a troublesome pregnancy um but just parenthood in general we don't have any protections or help for them so mm-hmm. of course it's a labor issue it's a, it's mm-hmm. a business issue and it just seems like a lot of people out there are cutting off their nose despite mm-hmm. their face kind of thing, and we all lose. Yeah. Do you ever feel that, I don't know, you mentioned that the uh, abortion issue from the, um, from a, you know, sort of a gendered perspective is something that's about control. Do you also feel, I guess, and maybe, you know, I, I mean, uh, you can, you know, be honest about this, but like, do you feel like that's a similar kind of control based issue if your workers are in this precarious position where they have to spend all this money for child care, where they don't have these benefits and they don't have, you know, all these all these things that would make their life better? That means that they would be able to essentially control their workers more effectively. <laughs> not to yeah, be too cynical no, about I mean, it, but yeah, but 
they would still have a more stable mm-hmm. worker yeah. base and people who are healthier and, mm-hmm. and could be around longer and, and could yeah. provide more to whatever the business is. I mean, now you just have such a large population that is barely making it. Mm-hmm. Um, we see in our city the problems with housing. That also Unbelievable. Is and like, no one will be able to work here if they can't live here. Yeah. Y'all are killing me. We need housing or everyone's going to move. Probably more to Jefferson Parish <laughs> and other oh, it's places. Happening already. It's, it's already it's happening. It's already happening. Like they're going to move if they don't have any place to live. So you need, you know, business community, you need to help us figure mm-hmm. this out. Mm-hmm. Or get out of the way. Well, that's another thing. <laughs> uh, you are listening to WHIVLP New Orleans 102.3. This is Good Morning Comrade Jeff and Robert in the studio. We also have a very special guest, Mandy Landry. Uh, Mandy is running for uh, Louisiana State Senate. And what's the district again? I beg your five. pardon. Uh, district 5 uh, to replace uh, outgoing uh, Karen Carter-Peterson. Um, and yeah, we were just talking a little bit about... Um, uh, abortion and labor issues, and I guess maybe talking about um, getting more into labor and worker issues. I guess I mentioned just a moment ago um, that you have been aligned with the labor unions, and I know that they have done a lot of uh, canvassing for you uh, in the past. Uh, is that that relationship still still solid? Yeah, I love those guys. I love it. <laughs> I love those guys, and uh, they keep me sane at the <laughs> Capitol that there are people watching mm-hmm. from a perspective of what's happening Mm -hmm. to poor people, what's happening to workers, how does this affect us? Because there's very few people um, elected or not at the Capitol who are viewing what's going on from that perspective. And uh, yeah, I I love those guys. You know, my dad was in the plumbers union and, you know, that's that where was the teachers union holds force. all our, our meetings. That's where we hold all of our meetings. Yeah, yeah, it was a big force growing up, mm-hmm. and um, having them around is, you know, it's it's comfortable. Mm-hmm. It's familiar. Yeah, and sort of what um, when you when you kind of have conversations and work out you know policy and whatnot with them, what kind of things are are, are you kind of pushing for going forward? Like, what's the sort of what, labor what do I platform talk with them yeah. about? It, Honestly, it's usually worker safety. Yeah. Like worker misclassification for those. Oh, who don't I talked with Chip about that so much. I know. So it, it's it's a it's a business decision that um, a lot of these, especially in construction, they want to mm-hmm. hire people sort of off the books, not trained. But it really mm-hmm. comes to a safety issue because then there's no one to report to. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no one to take care of them. There's no. Sorry. I, I just I, I didn't mean to interrupt, but like when they also hire these people who don't have status. They also make sure when these bosses, these companies or whatever, they hire these people who are um, who don't have status. They they have them classified as as contractors, as right. independent contractors. Right. That's right. really important. Right. So the, so sorry. I know. I feel like whenever I talk about misclassification, I'm only talking to five people who know exactly about <laughs> it. Um, but you're right. They're they're misclassified. They might be employees, but they're labeled as mm-hmm. independent contractors. So they don't have workers comp. They you know there's no insurance. There's no protections if they get hurt on the job. Yeah. But then they also, um, if something is unsafe, for example, the Hard Rock. There's mm-hmm. no one to report it to. There's no one to come in. Chip and some of those guys mm-hmm. said, you know, if these were our guys, they would have walked in and immediately knew to call who to call about what issues. And then, of course, something goes wrong and the person is just left in poverty because mm-hmm. there's no um, comp or, or the money, other money to, mm-hmm. to help them out. And it's, I mean, it's dangerous for everyone, as mm-hmm. we saw with Hard Rock. Yeah, and or even like safety disputes mm-hmm. or safety issues and, and also pay disputes. If, if, uh, if oh, uh, for sure. employer there's... or I guess they 
you know con other you know end of a contract in this sort of situation if it's a if it's a eleven ninety nine type situation you know decides not to pay their point what's the what's this person who doesn't have status going to do go to the law Nothing. like they're going to risk their own, I mean and 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 while they do have the same and this is important too while people who don't have status have the same rights as other workers in this country they are intimidated and knowingly so intimidated into not taking any kind of recourse for very understandable reasons yep. because they don't want to be sanctioned they don't want to have their kids put into one of those you know cages or whatever or they don't want to be deported and they don't want you know they they might be fleeing war zones they might be fleeing very you know, real concerns yeah it's just yep. I, I get really really like amped up about this thing because it's just like one of the most predatory things that yes. I've ever seen. And uh, to the point, I mean, just the, the you know, another extreme of that would be, um, I think there was a plant, we were talking about this on the show a little while ago, a Nissan plant in Mississippi, or is it Alabama, that was using, like, children as labor, <laughs> like, this year. <laughs> it was wild. People, um, And these kids don't have status either. It, it's scary what people get away with. And, you know, you hear a story like that, and you know... How many more do we not know about? Because yeah. only some of it makes the news. Um, a lot of it is just kept under wraps. And you're right. I mean, this is mistreating people who have, I mean, the lowest level of protections possible in mm -hmm. society. And it's very purposeful yeah. to make a little bit of short-term money. And, you know, hopefully your building won't fall down. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's, it's bad from the... Uh, the the buildings are worse. Yeah. What's people. happening to these people? These people mm -hmm. are just put against the wall, like on the floor with a boot on their head. It's just, it's just absolutely horrible. And, and, you know, unfortunately these contractors come away with just barrels of money because they're sweet, sweet contracts with this. I'm sorry. I'm just like, no, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm on it. I'm on my thing. I understand <laughs> for sure. I, I understand the problem with that. Well, and another aspect of it, which I didn't realize until I, I carried a misclass bill is how much money the state's missing out on. And that's why I can't yeah, understand we don't get more involved in it. I'm like, the state's mm -hmm. missing out on tax money, on workers' comp, mm -hmm. on unemployment. All this money that should be going into the state mm -hmm. bud budget is missing. Mm -hmm. um, and that's hurting the rest of us. So basically, you have, you'll have employers who are doing the right thing, paying unemployment, mm -hmm. paying everything they're supposed to. Um, and then the people who don't are getting rewarded for it. Mm-hmm. It's really rewarding bad actors. You mentioned just now a work class, uh, class misclassification bill. Can you talk a little bit about that? What was what was uh, it about that to put forward, and and sort of what was its fate? Um, that was in twenty twenty, I think, maybe twenty one. Um, well, you know, the House Labor Committee is where all good things go to die. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it's just it's very. That was like stacked. a nervous laugh for me. <laughs> yeah, it's very stacked. Um, uh -huh. Everyone kind of knows it, but we, we tried anyway. And then mm -hmm. one of the labor guys, he's like, we didn't win, but you embarrassed the hell out of them. Good. And um, well, it, it was a bill to to sort of tighten up mm -hmm. who is a contractor define and who it, is essentially. an employee and to define it more, yeah. but also to put some teeth into it. So this might have changed a little bit last year. You caught me in a moment that I can't exactly remember, but I'm pretty sure under Louisiana law, there's either no or minimal consequences <laughs> for this. Yeah. So what we had before was basically... You Not even flew. a slap on the wrist. <laughs> no, well, if, if you were reported and they found that you were guilty of misclassification, mm -hmm. which there are tons of 
guilty findings mm-hmm. um it's they give them time to fix it or something <laughs> along those lines and you better get this right better get this right and we're like no at least put some teeth in it at least give them fines mm-hmm. now remembering the bill had a decent fine on it i don't remember mm-hmm. the amount but it was still significantly lower than the country's average mm-hmm. and other states average and we said we just need a fine on here to start this process and there was just this boohooing and crying from lobby like oh or they actually made the argument lobby they said, is well, the essentially terrible. the statewide business industry yeah, yeah. or business lobbying but they they don't have any facts usually in no. support of their arguments it's not about facts right but they actually made the argument in public that well what about the business owners who don't know they're breaking the law why should they get in trouble and one of my colleagues said i'm sorry i've never heard that used yeah. um, in the criminal aspect when when you say oh a person who who breaks a law shouldn't be found guilty because they have ignorance of the law and they just sat there just in their that's incredible. In their um, protection <laughs> and didn't say anything. It was pretty amazing. I mean, you can't claim ignorance of the law is not a defense. No, no. And, and, and even in cases where it would make sense to... Right. Where it would make sense to, you know, make sure that this, like a person might, you know, be in violation of the law would... would, would it could be, be mitigating, but it yeah. doesn't prevent you from the violation. Some, but some essentially, punishment. but like, yeah, the fact that that the business lobby is arguing that, like, S- hey, actually, S- like, I'm here to defend, um, <laughs> I'm here to defend People business owners. Yeah, no, I'm, 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 I'm here to defend like their ability to know nothing yes. while running a business yes. and, and have no yes. consequences about it whatsoever. Yes. That's incredible. It was. <laughs> yeah, now I need to go back and watch that tape because uh, it was. It, it, it was so early in my term and uh-huh. I was just speaking as me and just like unreal what was coming out of some of their mouths too. It's, it's, it's wild. I've, I've had some, some really interesting um, experiences at the Capitol going up there with my, uh, you know, teachers, mm-hmm. you know, union people. And uh, yeah, a lot of people don't realize who don't watch this sort of thing. Like, you know, like Skooks does or whatever, <laughs> but like um, uh, the, the, Louisiana legislature is essentially. You mentioned the the labor committee, the uh, the 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 House Labor Committee. Um, the legislature, just by itself, is a very committee based mm-hmm. entity. Things basically either they're passed or they're killed in those committees when they get to the floor of the mm-hmm. when they get to the floor of the. Um, the uh, the floor of the um, either this house or the Senate, they're gonna fly through no matter what they are. I've seen just like almost like an auctioneer saying, "We got this bill number," da, 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 and just like vote right through them really, really fast. It's kind of incredible. Often that does happen often, and it is very frustrating. And it was very frustrating to me as a brand new mm-hmm. baby member because um, what we some of us knew learned quickly that we couldn't necessarily count on. Mm-hmm what happened in committee like for example if no one often someone doesn't want to be the one no vote and Mm -hmm. i'll do it sometimes and get these side eyes like why are Mm -hmm. you making us all vote on this Mm -hmm. well when a bill comes out 12-0 because it was just sort of Mm -hmm. everyone agreed to it then it comes to the rest of the chamber and they say oh well 
no one zero. had a problem yeah. with it. It must be a good bill. When really there were problems, but maybe sometimes I miss my committee meetings because I'm presenting a bill mm-hmm. on another committee. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes you're like, I just can't do this three times in a row. They're going to just kill me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you realize, oh, shoot, I voted on these things or didn't vote on these things because there's no possible way to know all the bills. I think we had 1,500 bills filed so in the much. House this last year. You don't, you don't end up... Voting no, on you that. You take day. them in a certain order. You know, well, but some never actually go to committee. You sure. change your mind. Some don't make it out of committee. You know, sometimes I've had bills make it out of committee and I'm like, you know what? That's far enough for this year. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you just can't know everything. Mm-hmm. And so you rely on other people, but we're all kind of overworked, underpaid. And, mm-hmm. and that's when you end up relying on industry. Mm-hmm. Everyone says lobbyists. I'm fine with the lobbyists. It's mm-hmm. the industries mm-hmm. that, that push a lot of this. Um, lobbyists to me are lawyers, mm-hmm. basically. Yeah. Like I am. Um, the good ones will tell you what's good and bad about their bill. Mm-hmm. But it's just certain industries have so much control there. Yeah. Yeah. And and it, it's, it's oil and gas. It's construction in the city, especially. It's um, really a lot of land developers as well. <laughs> it's funny you say land. So there's a lot of power there in areas that I didn't know before mm-hmm. I was there. Um, commercial apartment Oh, companies. yeah. Oh, my God. My, my mortal enemies now. Mm-hmm. The Apartment Association, and they have several other organizations mm-hmm. or whatever. They are... It's these large landlords. There's no mom and pops behind them. There's no such they, thing. They own... <laughs> Well, they're not involved in any of this. Yeah. It's it's these people who own thousands and tens of thousands of apartments, and they right. are the reason why we don't have any tenant protections in this state. Mm-hmm. And it's they have. Like, when die, you say like, no like, tenant like, protections, you mean like, like like I can tell you get out of here and you have like two weeks to move. I mean, this is the biggest problem. You can put in a lease that someone <laughs> can waive 30-day notice. <laughs> like, the most basic thing. Like, I was just blown away as a lawyer. What is the point of the lease, then? There's, no, <laughs> there's nothing in it. Um, and you have someone... And it's also... Um, God, I forget from law school, adhesion contract, predatory contract, essentially, mm-hmm. where someone finally finds a place they can afford, mm-hmm. and they give them this lease, which they may not be able to understand all of it, not realizing... Not everybody's a lawyer. <laughs> not everyone's a lawyer, or it's complicated, not realizing that they've signed away the right mm-hmm. to even have 30 days notice, mm-hmm. or even if they realize it's in there, it's the only apartment they can find. Mm-hmm. But there's so many... Uh, it, it just blew me away, because I lived in Washington, D.C. before this when I was in school, and there's robust tenant protections there. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a whole clinic in law school and just the lack of them in mm-hmm. in louisiana is just pretty shocking mm-hmm. yeah um you're listening to whiv lp new orleans 102.3 this is good morning comrade uh we have jeff and robert in the studio with mandy landry uh mandy is running for the fifth uh senate district seat in uh louisiana legislature uh to replace karen carter peterson uh who re- who resigned um so just to kind of like continue on that point in terms of uh those you know protections that you saw for um for for tenants uh can you just articulate a little bit about what they are and just so that we can just 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 so that we can essentially talk about like what a what a good what a what would this state could use essentially where would you start (laughs) you know we are so far near the bottom in protections Mm -hmm. there's so many ways to go Mm -hmm. um Here's one example of a bill that I had crushed this year, and it came from a constituent. Um, 
his mother became disabled. She was elderly. She had mm-hmm. a fall. She like the kitchen caught on fire sort of thing. Um, she could not live alone anymore. Mm-hmm. Permanently disabled. Um, the leasing company like refused to let him out of the lease. He had to pay a bunch of money. And so we filed this bill and said, okay, well, if someone becomes permanently disabled, which is a legal determination, you, mm-hmm. you, you know, you're done. Um, they should at least be able to give 30, 60 days notice. I forget what we put 60 days notice. And the committee and the apartment association just crushed it. And I was my God. beyond myself. I said, you just voted against disabled people. Because they always say, oh, people are going to use an excuse. I'm like, no, this is something that a doctor has to say. They are permanently disabled. Mm-hmm. They cannot care for themselves. Um, that's an example of like they wouldn't agree. That's how extreme the situation is that's right now. That's how extreme it is that you can't get out of leases. And, you know, so much of the problem is um, it gets put on a credit report mm. if you um, if you break a lease or evicted. And I'm, I'm not exactly sure all the things that will put you on a credit report, but mm. it's a problem because then when you go to lease again, it's on there. And Louisiana Fair Housing has been trying to work with that a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think they got something through the past year that Max will kill me. I can't remember exactly, but I think there's starting to be a little improvement. Mm-hmm. You can maybe get it taken off. Um, but it, it's it, issues like that that we don't even have like those sort of protections. And look, mm-hmm. there's always going to be bad tenants. There's always going to be bad landlords. We all know that. Um, but just to have a little more of a of room for negotiation, mm-hmm. even. I mean, we know also. Um, well, luckily we have money for pro bono attorneys in mm-hmm. new orleans now i had a bill on that also that we got through on committee with fair housing because we know that if um a tenant is being evicted their their likelihood of being evicted goes down by like 50 percent if they mm-hmm. just have a lawyer with them to help discuss things and just look at the lease it's it's just <laughs> somebody that knows process. the law is helpful actually <laughs> just basic process yeah well because the tenant might not understand really what's in the lease yeah exactly um as far as you mentioned that um you mentioned that that uh, you do serve on some committees. Can you talk a little bit about what committees you do serve on and what kind of things you see going through them? Yeah, um, so I've been on judiciary the last few years. Um, that does a lot with courts, mm-hmm. um, some alcohol and beverage. It's an interesting committee. <laughs> um, That's yeah, on judiciary. Yeah, it's it's kind of a catch all with the courts and. Uh-huh. Um, but we have funny thing. Well, I shouldn't say funny. Um, there's a bill Sharon Hewitt passed that came through that, excuse me if this sounds convoluted because it is, any building in the state allegedly now that has received state money, you're required to sing the Star Spangled Banner or the National Anthem, I forget, at the beginning of any event. Oh, should, is that how we should have started the show? Um, and, and y'all are like <laughs> looking at me. <laughs> Listeners, they're looking at me like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I know, it sounds insane. It's completely unenforceable. It's ridiculous. And um, and that came to judiciary because it's like kind of this random legal thing. Um, but we saw... Um, I love that somebody wrote that. And passed. No, it's law now. Oh, that's awesome. It's law. Oh, I can't remember if it's the national anthem. I think it's the Star Spangled Banner. Yeah. How do you know? Is it $1 that went on the building? Who's enforcing the singing of it? What kind of events? Yeah. It's a whole bunch of it's, it's, craziness. It's just like, so somebody can go back and say, I... They're get, patriotic, I, 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 I love America more than everybody else in this Louisiana legislature. Yeah. Um, I also was on civil law, and um, a lot of that was 
lawyer stuff, tort reform. Mm -hmm. But the civil law committee had um, the qualified immunity bill, Edmund Mm -hmm. Jordan, a couple years ago. So this was George Floyd time, Mm -hmm. very hot. Um, Right. And and probably people listening understand qualified immunity gives law enforcement like complete immunity from almost any prosecution for anything. Mm and his uh, Rep. Jor- Edmund Jordan's bill, he's from Baton Rouge, He who does a lot of police and civil rights work. He's an expert in this. His bill would have <laughs> lowered that high <laughs> standard and put into place instances of when um, you could bring a suit and it was a long day affair mm-hmm. and tons of testimony. And it was one of those days that um, two of my young Republican colleagues voted in favor of it. Mm. And it was one of the few times in the legislature that I could tell people's minds were were turned or or that's... they knew they were going to get kind of hit for it. Mm-hmm. And they knew it was the right thing to do. They're both under 40 years old. And I think that's why. That's incredible. That's actually it like was. something that makes me have like a little tiny bit of hope in my heart, mm. which is like I always feel bad about that when I do that because I know it's going to get dashed and crushed at some point really soon. <laughs> but that's why I mean. I did stuff with term limits. We can talk mm-hmm. about that later. That even coming in, mm-hmm. I said, I have so much more hope for the younger ones because younger legislators mm-hmm. and electeds because they're just so much closer to mm-hmm. what's going on right now. And and these two might have been, or they are Republicans, but to me, they're so much more in tune with what's mm-hmm. going on in the ground and with with Black Lives Matter and George Floyd and, and everything right. going on and, and just take the technology of seeing all this now. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned also tort reform, which is, a, which is I mean, people hear that and their eyes glaze over, but yes. like it is actually <laughs> extremely important. Like they don't realize that when you click, click like, this is more federal, I uh. suppose, but when you click like, yes, I agree on your terms of service on whatever, whatever thing, that uh. that's something that goes to... Like, not like, if you have a dispute or a violation of those terms of service or whatever, you essentially, the, <laughs> the, the end user do. has no rights. And, like, the only way to adjudicate that is not through a court, but you're signing your right to a court away. And it's, like, a part, like, like handled by an arbitrator that's appointed by this, whoever the other, you know, whoever presented this to you, whatever co- corporation or whatever. Yeah, that's, that's a good example of, mm-hmm. of bad, the bad side of tort reform. I mean, mm-hmm. it generally is... It's this catch-all term to mm-hmm. quote reform civil laws. We got to get, get those trial lawyers. We you gotta, know? <laughs> they got to get the trial lawyers, and we and they it's it's trying to decrease the amount of lawsuits. Uh-huh. Um, they claim they that the lawsuits are clogging up the system, and people are taking advantage. But the idea, as you mentioned, like the arbitration agreements, mm-hmm. is that they a lot of these pro-tort reform people or businesses don't want to face mm-hmm. a civil lawsuit. They don't want to face a jury. They want to avoid of, it. Yeah, they, they want to They, they want essentially steamroll all over steam anything that gets in the way of business. Get, they either will never get you there or will be so cost prohibitive that you won't do mm-hmm. it. And and it's harmful. It's most harmful to people who are poor or don't have money to hire a lawyer, which is mm-hmm. most of us. Mm-hmm. I couldn't afford me as a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, I've always like always hoped to just never get into any real trouble because yeah. I never want to have to like pay for a lawyer because that's just something that's that's yeah. so incredibly expensive that that you just kind of it is. And your plaintiffs lawyers, which is why they do. And it's not the lawyers' on, fault, obviously. Um, it's like that's a that's a systemic problem, right? And a lot of them do. That's why they do things on a I hate to use the word commission, but they you know if they get you 
um, a judgment, they get a percentage because up until then they're working for free. Yeah. And so they only get paid if, if they win the suit. Mm-hmm. And so the business side says, oh, they're all rich and making money. I'm like, well, they're rich if they're good at their jobs, which yeah. means that they're serving their clients. Right. And that means to take money from people who are wronged, yeah. which is like, yeah. I don't know, man. People do get wronged all the time. And if you want to take people's like ability to to um, to make things slightly less wrong, if yeah. not right, like, in a, you know, sort of a compensatory sense. Then, if someone uh, gets hurt and can't work and it's yeah. not their fault, if it's someone else's fault, then they yeah. should you know be made whole if possible. Yeah. Especially if, again, the somebody is profiting off of the general situation and just just it's just essentially a lot of like legal cya if you know what i mean right i hate those agreements oh and i'll sometimes <laughs> click them and just just you have disgust. to what else you're gonna do you get you, you just paid 200 dollars for adobe you know whatever right, right. and you're like you know, you're not gonna agree to the terms of service you can't use the program you can't use it. <laughs> same with with we were talking about the tenant protections uh-huh. You don't agree to this lease, go find someplace yeah, else to live. That's, yeah. that's not a contract. That's not a negotiation. That's just bullying. Yeah, it's exactly right. Um, so you said judiciary, civil law, any other committees that you're a part of? And how, how, I'm sorry. No, no. What's your question? I was just going to ask, how do these committees get uh, appointed, which I guess I would follow with that. The, so the Speaker appoints, Speaker of the House appoints everyone to committees. And mm-hmm. after we were all elected, we put in like request mm-hmm. and um, they try to honor your request. Um, but they can't always, the money committees, appropriations, Mm -hmm. uh, ways and means, commerce, people always want to get on those more than others. Mm -hmm. Um, but so they try to fit people around. I actually was moved from civil law to ways and means Mm. last year. Oh, money committee Um, for a first term legislator, eh? Well, um, or second term, uh, first term, but they moved me in part because there was someone from. Orleans who moved to another committee um, and, and so you know they talked to me shuffle, about it shuffle, they're like shuffle. they're like we really think we need another New Orleans mm-hmm. person on this committee I'm like I absolutely agree and the Ways and Means Committee um, first of all is tax policy which is coming up this year in the mm-hmm. legislature but also the capital outlay budget this is boring people mm-hmm. but capital outlay is um, money for roads and buildings and all your physical things mm-hmm. in the state so it's a pretty good committee to be on um because you can kind of encourage <laughs> encourage that the projects you need will get funded mm-hmm. um, to be on that committee. And then next year, when there's tax policy, there'll be a lot more input from the committee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, this is not a this was not a fiscal session that just passed. The upcoming session is a fiscal upcoming session. Upcoming is fiscal, which means a lot of tax and mm-hmm fines and fees and anything having to do with money and then we all just get five general bills so mm-hmm. anything you see on criminal law or healthcare or anything that is not specifically related to like a fee um mm-hmm. there won't be as many of those mm. okay so um i guess to sort of um swing back to a little bit of the what you're looking for in this campaign and what you're looking forward to kind of push for um Thanks for the civics lesson. Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel I do feel like a civics teacher sometimes. <laughs> but um, but um, I guess sort of like we mentioned abortion, we mentioned um, we mentioned uh, labor and workers. Mm-hmm. What other sort of things are you are you sort of hoping to achieve? Should you get put in the position of um, mm-hmm. of Senate? Um, so a few specific things. So one is to continue to get more money for New Orleans specifically 
anything have anything having to do with flooding, drainage, um, water issues. Um, we were talking about capital outlay, so we all put our request in, and I probably had ten requests in, and I just held on tight to mm-hmm. a nine million dollar drainage project in Hollygrove. Mm-hmm. Just held Holly on Grove, to yeah. it. That area does not get attention; it gets overlooked. And this project came from the city, mm-hmm. um, and. And to me, like right now with flooding and water issues, I'm like, this is the most important one on my list. Like every, not that everything is not important that was sure. requested, but it's urgent. But it's urgent, and it's particularly urgent to that neighborhood. We're lucky we didn't get a huge storm oh my this God, year. We're so lucky. All of our money should go towards hazard mitigation. Um, but it's it's also airline highway. It's like a major yeah. highway in the city. And as a senator, you can get a little more say, a lot more say sometimes in how that money gets distributed and i would love to see more in the city mm-hmm. for those um areas that need a little more help with water mm-hmm. um i mean i tell people on the doors they're like what are you going to do about my streets i said i cannot fix a single pothole however if you were having a water issue or or something major on like claiborne or a state highway mm-hmm. i can help you out yeah and so i definitely want to do more with that and um this will this year listeners will like this so I got a bill through this year, the little bill that could, um, for employment protections for people with a medical marijuana prescription. Mm-hmm. And I say the little bill that could, because I fouled it with, you know, Peter Robbins Brown of oh, yeah. Louisiana Progress. Love Peter. Peter's awesome. We're thick as thieves. <laughs> and uh, we filed it just to kind of, it was going to house labor. And we said, mm-hmm. we're just going to start this process. They're never going to mm-hmm. let it out. And and what it is, is people with a medical marijuana prescription can still lose their job because they're mm-hmm. going to test positive. So right. why do we have this program where the state makes all this money off this product that we are growing as a state and then people lose their job? Well, it caught some wind with um, Republicans who are now all in on the weed train because there's lots of money, a lot of, money there, to make, of course. Yeah. And it caught some wind. And what really helped us actually was the Department of Administration helped me um helped me with it because they said we can't find people we can't find workers do you grab that i don't know what that piece is it's 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 the universe saying we need these protections now yeah 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 anyway continue (laughs) yeah um (coughs) a little bill that could a little bill that could well the the state said we're having problems finding employees because we have a lot of people who can't pass the initial drug test Mm -hmm. and we think or we know a lot of them it's because of medical marijuana Mm -hmm. and a lot of these are desk jobs and other jobs that have literally nothing no remote safety measures Mm -hmm. and so they caught on and of course we have to exempt law enforcement and first responders Mm -hmm. and um i don't disagree with that at this point but we got it. I mean, mm-hmm. they helped me run that through. And we got it through. Yes. And it is the bill I probably get the most questions on because mm-hmm. there are so many people with a medical marijuana prescription and they are just dying for that protection. They're yeah. like, please, why doesn't it apply to me? And I said, we're working on it. We're working on it now. We have a commission set up to see um, testing of for marijuana. Um, and, and by the way, to people listening, I... I know cannabis is the preferred term, but our state law says medical marijuana. So I I use the state term. Um, But the testing for it is nowhere near what it is for alcohol. Like you can't tell you Mm -hmm. how recently you ingested. And that's what we're trying to work on to see um, what other states are doing. How can we implement a policy that is fair and helpful to the patients we have so many people who testified who said i don't want to take opioids but i have chronic pain yeah opioids make me 
lose my sick mind. And also sick they're extremely and, addictive. And addictive and make they're like they make me stoned mm-hmm. and guess what? Marijuana doesn't. Mm-hmm. So we're working like we have a really good group together of mm-hmm. um, advocates, but also government agencies who want to see this expanded for next mm-hmm. year. So definitely employment protections mm-hmm. for for our weed people. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they appreciate it. <laughs> you are listening to. I, oh, yeah. You're listening to WHIVLP <laughs> New Orleans 102.3. This is Good Morning Comrade. Uh, we have Mandy Landry uh, on the show. Um, I, I did want to ask, um, so on this sort of like cannabis question, Ameri- or I mean, we, we have medical marijuana, which is legal in the state now. Um, I do weirdly feel like this is kind of a uniting issue that people could get behind in a, in a lot of ways. I mean, you're seeing, um, what, like, um, states that are, you know, that would be viewed as, you know, somewhere either conservative or somewhere on the line. Um, that are like making things legal statewide, not even just medical, but just for for recreational use, um, and also um, and also like I, I, I don't know, like that seems like something that um, could that's something that could be at least like worth worth bringing up here, and and it's good for I mean it's good for a number of reasons, mostly because. It's one thing, like, whether or not this is one of the things that I, like, sociology class in college, Jeff, was just like, duh, this is obvious. But, like, whether or not this kind of thing is legal, people are going to do it. Mm-hmm. So if it's illegal, you're essentially just creating a black market for things like like, like marijuana and, and, and other drugs, which I'm not even suggesting that we, we, we go there yet mm-hmm. or, or even potentially at any point. But, like, the, essentially making making this kind of thing safer just sort of generally and i know that there is sort of like a, a another kind of pushback that it essentially um that is essentially like oh you're going to be putting essentially um drug dealers out of business which is which is true <laughs> um to a certain extent and there's i think there's got to be a way to sort of like legitimate legitimize those operations as well yeah i mean we're leaving so much money on the table <laughs> um because so many states have legalized recreational uh, we're leaving money on the table. We still continue to incarcerate, which is the oh the. We're number one. We're, we, in, in Louisiana, we have a higher incarceration rate than anywhere in the world. We are it's, number one. It is, yes, and we'll get back to the weed point in a second. People in Louisiana are not inherently more dangerous no. <laughs> than anyone else. It's not like we have something in our water. We have more guns, I guess, than most states. Well, we have a lot, but. <laughs> I joke about it. I'm like, is there something in the water mm-hmm. that does this? Um, but what we have is just a pretty deep incarceration system. And it's something I've been learning more about. And mm-hmm. maybe we can discuss it another time. That um, Angola is a modern plantation. Yeah. It's just, I'm sorry. I mean, like, it's just oh, it so, so but there's unbelievable that it exists. And I bet someone listening will send me information on it. Mm-hmm. But there's something, and I just started getting into it before the campaign, in how um, the early, um, like, slave patrols mm-hmm. and early... Um, Right after the Civil War, mm-hmm. um, the oh shoot, what were they called? When they just basically everyone who was a former slave that they mm-hmm. started arresting and yeah. throwing um, in you know jail quote jail. There was something unique about our system here, and I don't remember that was like business oriented, mm-hmm. right? That a few people owned that made it so much more lucrative than other places to hold those people mm-hmm. in bondage, and and that's why we 
one of the reasons historically we have way more people incarcerated because mm-hmm. it's a business that's been around for a lot so of long. money to be made so much money the, to be made of the uh, of the literally just locking people up industry just warehousing mm-hmm. them and and you know we've started as a state on the criminal side to lessen marijuana penalties and mm-hmm. not going anywhere near fast enough but what what I always think about is how complicated it is because you might have someone incarcerated because eventually they committed an armed robbery, mm-hmm. but they had 10 minor infractions before. Mm-hmm. So instead of getting five years, they got like 20 years. Or yeah. There's so many complications like that, that, or they, they got it arrested. Ruins people's lives. Yeah. Or they got arrested on a few minor charges and then could not find a job mm-hmm. or, or could not find housing. Um, and I, we need to, we need to fix that so bad, but from a state perspective, like this is a place that people come to have fun and hang out and why mm-hmm. shouldn't we be making money off it? And mm-hmm. more, way more Republicans are involved, which is probably why they want to, um, control it a little more. But, mm-hmm. um, I think polling has shown that the state, if it would, if we had a ballot initiative, which we don't, yeah. but if this went on a ballot, like 65% <laughs> of the state or something would approve it. It's put it on the state constitution. <laughs> We'd have to get it through committees first. Oh, that's right. Oh, don't get me started on all the steps we would have to take mm-hmm. to get it on a ballot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, Louisiana is unique with the no ballot initiatives thing. It's it's kind of wild. We need to fix it, and we need mm-hmm. to make we need to have that's an a, amendment. Then to that the would have to be another amendment to take all on, this. Yeah. But um, I'll I'll throw out this point. Uh, one of those two young legislators who voted for the qualified immunity bill, mm-hmm. um, Richard Nelson, he's a friend and has been looking at running for governor, um, which is very interesting. And <laughs> But he is pro-marijuana legalization. He's young and smart mm-hmm. and you know qualified immunity. I, I guess he follows more on a libertarian bent. And it's... It's this interesting Better than thing Jeff Landry. <laughs> I've been watching. Well, right, that there's a path there for someone who is like, yes, he's more conservative financially on everything, but he is looking to the future mm-hmm. on these issues. Everyone everyone wants cannabis to be legal. I mean, literally everyone does. It would fix so many holes in our budget. Yeah. And, and um, like in the, in the like politi- politician sense, like you're supposed to be able to identify opportunity when you're, <laughs> you do that for a living. And like... That's that's just like a dove. That's just like a yeah. That's a slam dunk. They're they're always just weighing it. There's just a part of our state politics and population that anything having to do with yeah. any drug is bad, mm-hmm. um, unless it's you know opioids or something. Unless it's prescription, yeah. Yeah, which but this is a prescription now. Well, it's considered for a the referral. people who qualify. Yeah. It's considered a referral, but it's a prescription. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I guess we're we're winding down to our last five or so minutes. Um, I guess, um, yeah. In the last, you know, couple of days um, of the campaign, you know, what are you feeling? And any kind of final words? And and where can we find more information? Um, so my website is mandylandry.com. M a n d i e l a n d r y. I'm very active on social media, Twitter, and Instagram. She's a poster, folks. I am. It's a Vote Landry, L-E-N-D-R-Y. I am not related to Jeff Landry. I am not a Landrew. I get those questions a lot. Or, or um, Nancy Landry, right? No, I'm not related to anyone. Anyone would ever know. No one in my family has been elected. Um, but I'm pretty easy to find, and mm-hmm. a lot of your listeners probably know me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, this is... 
you know, election day and the day before or high stress, but the fun time, if, if people want to come mm-hmm. wave some signs or knock some doors uh, and feel like you did your civic duty. <laughs> um, oh, it's great. I mean, I have a lot of students involved. They're mm-hmm. the best. They're the best. I have so much hope for the generations following behind. But yeah, now I'm just at a sort of peaceful moment of the the work was done and mm-hmm. and we'll see if voters agree and uh, I'll just be knocking and making calls and just roaming around the next few days. But I'm always happy to talk to people. I love coming on yeah. radio and speaking to groups and, and that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it's nerve wracking. But I mean, running and being in office has been the most transformative mm-hmm. part of my life. Cool. For sure. Um, and I think not just that people should think about running, but like working on campaigns, too, because mm-hmm. not not everyone not everyone's going to come do this. Yeah. Not everyone wants to put themselves out there publicly for Ooh, the abuse that you hard. will receive. It's so hard. It's so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you pay for it yeah. in many ways. But to just join the process, and it's help me find candidates. Mm-hmm. We need to recruit. We need to recruit from union members. Mm-hmm. We need to recruit from uh, people who are old liberal lions who are retired. <laughs> I, I know a ton of them, and they are not backing down. Mm-hmm. Um, That's good. That's good. Students, and, and yeah, we need to Retired recruit. teachers, even. <laughs> we need them oh, for school board. So bad. Retired teachers would be great, because we can't have current teachers, because they need to work all day. Mm-hmm. But retired teachers would be wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, just people from different walks of life. I've been trying to talk to doctors. Mm-hmm. We don't have a single doctor in the legislature. We have one nurse practitioner. Um, it shows in yeah. our healthcare laws. Well, we have a senator that's a doctor, and he's terrible. So, <laughs> a U.S. senator. Uh, well, let's not even get into that. It's a whole other, whole other interview. But we need medical professionals. Our um, health and welfare committee chair, wonderful man. He mm-hmm. he was a teacher in coach mm-hmm. and that's great but he's him and and like myself i am mm-hmm. not an, a medical professional I, right. I can't really determine what's going on in a lot of those bills and so then you end up relying on witnesses but it, w- it would be great if we had some doctors and nurses and mm-hmm. uh therapist therapists would be great yeah that would be nice because mental health we didn't, even get, into, we didn't even get into mental health in this state uh yeah. or i just in this country but it's it's mm-hmm dreadful and and that's one of those things that everybody talks about like yeah we need to do stuff about mental health all the time and then nothing. when it actually comes to delivering nothing. on it it's nothing well, anyway thank you so much for uh, joining us on the show mandy landry um and yeah you, like she said vote landry and uh on twitter and i guess everywhere huh yep and uh tuesday november 8th your polls will be open from 6 a.m to yeah. 8 p.m you're not sure where to go um louisiana has the go vote app or go vote website g-e-a-u-x vote and you can figure out where to go and you have to go in person and you have to go to your polling place not to city hall but it's real easy and if you look at the app it'll even give you everything that's on your ballot if you put in your address so no excuses go vote (laughs) go vote all right well thank you so much and thank you everyone for listening uh this has been good morning comrade on whiv lp new orleans we love you goodbye